Hello, thank you guys so much for coming to this video today. It's another Cardano Aura. You guys seem to have been loving them lately. So if you guys have any guests or anything that you want to come on, feel free to comment down below. Um, but the Cardano Aura is my podcast. It's Cardano's use and utility podcast. It's about anyone that brings value to the Cardano blockchain. I essentially have them on. You know, we get all the knowledge we can out of them because they're just, they're full of great insights. And um, just doing these podcasts, I've learned so much. Like I am honestly much higher um, really on my learning pedestal than, than I was before I started making this. So I applaud everyone that's come on, but I hope you guys enjoy these too. So, um, but yeah, if you guys want to support this channel, all you have to do is click the like button, comment down below, um, click notifications and then click all. Um, so what's going on in this podcast today? So today it's Sebastian. Uh, I love Sebastian. He was actually the first person to ever come on this podcast and uh, he's full of knowledge. We go over um, stable coins. We go over DeFi on Cardano. Uh, we go over a lot of Ergo stuff, stuff they're doing over there that they're going to port over to Cardano. Um, we go over like kind of small pools, the K parameter, the future decentralization of Cardano, uh, ways to fix current problems. It's a great, great podcast. So if you guys do enjoy it, like I said, please comment that down below because um, I am trying to figure out the direction of this and your comments do have an impact on that. Um, another way you can support me is by delegating to Bloom. Bloom um, is my passion. It's my stake pool. Um, we were actually the eighth ever block on Cardano. So we've been here from the beginning and we're going to be here till year end because uh, Cardano will live on forever and so will Bloom. You know, So if you guys want to support my channel um, and also support the mission that is Bloom, feel free to delegate. We pay some great, great returns. So I actually do have a sponsor of this video. I've gotten some sponsors on the podcast lately um, and it's, it makes sense because um, you know, I didn't go for funding, so just these quick little sponsors really do help out. So um, the sponsor of this video today is Skillshare, and Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people, explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. So um, I actually have, because when I, when I do the sponsors, you know, they let me try it out because I wanted to make sure that, you know, I'm advertising something that I like. And um, what I've actually been using is the video right? And the video and photos, because if you guys notice my videos improved, you know, well, that's uh, directly linked to Skillshare. I've been learning a lot more um, just using specifically the videography stuff, but they have a lot on there. You know, they have um, entrepreneurship stuff, freelance stuff, you know, uh, Photoshop. They just have really any course you can think of when it comes to, you know, personal growth and entrepreneur entrepreneurship. Um, they have it, you know, so and this is Skillshare believes a strong community is essential to personal growth. Tap into support of fellow creatives who provide encouragement, communication, and inspiration. And um, that's why I like doing the sponsor for Skillshare because um, the personal growth, um, even though people don't really talk about it, I think is at the core um, of Cardano. You know, I, I really watch a lot of people, not financially, but, you know, uh, mentally grow with Cardano as they meet the other people in the ecosystem. And um, so Skillshare does kind of meet our, our values. So if you guys want to better yourself, um, then make sure you guys do Skillshare. And uh, the, the first 1,000 people, uh, specifically my subscribers, to click the link in the description will get a free trial of the premium membership so you can explore your creativity. And another thing I must mention um, is that it's curated specifically for learning, meaning that there's no ads. They're always launching new premium classes so you can stay focused and follow wherever your creativity takes you. And it's just $10 a month with no annual subscription. So let's get into this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited. I'm geeked. I'm hype. Hello. Thank you guys so much for coming to this podcast today. This is the Cardano Or. We bring the people in the Cardano ecosystem that bring value to Cardano. And today we have Sebastian with us. He's the co-VP of engineering over at Emergo. How are you doing today? 
Hey, I'm doing good. Calling in from Japan. This is where I live. I live in Tokyo. And currently I work for Mergo, as you said, as the co VP of engineering and Cardano project manager. So I work with our team of engineers, uh, working on products such as the Yoroi wallet. And we've been working on some um, more smart contract related functionality recently, like our stablecoin released on Ergo and, and this kind of uh, product. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to go into uh, the stablecoin that you guys have been working on earlier. So a lot of new people have been watching my channel and I can tell just by the comments I get and the emails I get. So let's start off very basic. And I'm sorry if you guys already know this information, but we're going to go deeper in a minute. So uh, what is the Uroi wallet? A lot of people have maybe never heard of the Uroi wallet or use Daedalus. And, you know, what is the differences? And a lot, another thing is a lot of people think that it's only a mobile app. I get that all the time. Um, oh, it's on it's on desktop too, you know? So what is the Uroi wallet? Yeah, so Uroi is a light wallet for Cardano. What that means is that you can use it without syncing the whole blockchain. So obviously it's great um, for people to sync the whole blockchain so they can verify the whole history of the blockchain themselves. But not everybody can do that. Not everybody has a strong computer, especially on mobile devices where you may not even have the storage capacity for this. Uh, we need to make this accessible for everybody. So the goal of Yodo is, is let's make a wallet that's accessible to as many people as possible. So there's kind of two parts of that. One of them is you want an easy, light experience on the desktop or on your laptop. And that's where the Yodoi extension comes in. So it's a browser extension. You download it on your browser on Chrome, Firefox, Brave, Edge, any browser you want. And um, you can easily, from your browser, access Yodoi and load up your wallet instant, basically instantaneously because it doesn't have to uh, sync the blockchain. And obviously, another part of that is the mobile application. So we have Yodoi available on both Android and iOS. So you can, you know, have Yudoi on your computer and then take it on the go wherever you, you, know, you want to go. The thing is that we're kind of the, the biggest light wallet for Cardano, which means that we have about 50-50 uh, split between mobile users and desktop users. Um, and we have about over 100,000 users on, on all platforms. So quite, quite a lot of people. And... There's another wallet for Cardano that's called Daedalus that some people are familiar with, which is the kind of full node uh, wallet for Cardano. And so Daedalus requires you to sync the full blockchain. And so if you're kind of a person who wants to verify the whole transaction transaction history, that might be good for you. Um, but for everybody else, Yudo is kind of the answer. Awesome. Yeah. And another thing that people don't know is that they can actually recover if they're using the 24-word um, in Daedalus, they can actually recover that in Uroi. So if you want a light version, maybe on a different computer, or maybe on your laptop, or even on mobile, you can actually just recover the same 24 word into Uroi. You know, a lot of people, when they say, oh, I want to move over to Uroi, I'm having trouble with Daedalus, you know, do I have to make a whole new wallet and restake to a pool? No, when you recover your wallet into Uroi, it's essentially just viewing that, the, those addresses on the blockchain. So it'll stay staked, you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, you guys have added a lot of new features lately. You know, we have a voting tab yeah. and uh, the buy and sell tab. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so in Yeroi, we always have kind of two things going on in parallel. One of them is required functionality. And the other one is, is quality of life functionality. So obviously the required functionality is stuff like supporting the Shelly Hart framework, supporting the Miri Hart for supporting the treasury system. These are all features that we absolutely must have 
and Yoroi. Otherwise, you know, there's no point using us as a wallet. Yeah. And so that takes up a lot of, of my time personally. And so a lot of the stuff that I do at, at Emergo is I read through all the documents by HK and the code by HK and the specifications and try to figure out um, what we need to do, what are our core priorities, and then work with our team to implement those. Um, but we also want to have more than just supporting Cardano. We also want to have a, a great user experience. And so that means we also have to spend time, you know, figuring out how do we show all the functionality of the Cardano blockchain, which has it's a lot of functionality, while still trying to keep a simple user experience, you know, and we, we try and listen to user feedback on Twitter, on Telegram, and so on, and implement features they want, like the buy-sell button. Um, and so we try and, and manage both these priorities, and it, it's kind of hard because, as you know, the core development of the blockchain is done by IOHK, which is the company that does the uh, primary development of the Cardano blockchain right now. And so for stuff like the Mary Hard Fork that happened um, last week now, they're the ones who kind of organize the uh, core protocol change itself. And then we at Emergo, we developed the SDK for mobile, we developed the SDK for browsers, and we implement them into Yudoi and some of our, our tooling we provide. And so it means it's, it's hard to know how much time we have for this kind of quality of life upgrade because um, how much time these hard forks take from our schedule is, is not entirely up to us. But I think we, we, we've hit a, a kind of good balance. Um, obviously, people always want more features. People are never, you know, fully satisfied. But I think people will see that, you know, we, we've not only kept it really up to date, um, but every feature that people ask, we, we get to that eventually and people... Uh, tend to kind of get everything they ask Well, it seems for. like you guys have gotten faster, you know, build up a bit of more more momentum because, I mean, we had the, um, the voting registration in there very quick at the same time as the Mary Hard Fork, you know, or whereas when you look back at Shelly, you know, it was a couple weeks later, you know, and it's because you had to wait on IOG to release that. But even though you had to do that this time, you know, we still had the voting ready to go, you know, for Fund 3 and then also the Mary Hard Fork and the tokens ready to go. So I applaud you for that. Yeah, and... And there's there's some reason for that. So the thing is, that, as I mentioned, Mergo is the one that writes the SDK for mobile and for browsers for Cardano. And this SDK is not used, just used by Yoroid, but it's also used by exchanges and other wallets and so on. And when the Shelly Car 4 came around, we had to basically write this SDK from scratch. We had some previous stuff we were using. Uh, but Shelly was so totally different that none of it was going to work anymore. We had to have a whole new system. And so to develop that system was hard, not because um, writing such a large project takes time, but also because uh, Shelly was such a big upgrade that every time IHK changed something, it would take a while for it to kind of go through the pipeline until we could eventually update our SDK. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of a, a big time delay. And as you may remember, in the Shelly hard fork, things were still changing. Kind of, you know, even a month before the hard fork, these kinds of slight tweaks and huge changes. And so, yeah, yeah. And so that was uh, kind of tough to deal with. But because um, now we've entered uh, Shelly, um, the part of the goal of Shelly was to, you know, relaunch with a whole new code base, as you may remember, that is much easier to update. And now we have binary specifications, we have a semi formal specification. And whenever our next hard fork comes up, it's no longer a rewrite from scratch. It's just an update the specification. And so the reason Mary uh, was much easier to deal with is because this was much easier for us to grasp and much easier for us to um, set in stone because when Iriscate said, okay, we, we have the Mary hard fork, this is what we're planning to do. 
It's just, okay, here's the specification, here's the change in the specification. We already have our library. Our library is automatically generated from the specification. We just crank the wheel, it regenerates the code, and then we proceed with the integration. And it's just a much smoother experience because of that. And, you know, even the hard fork itself, like Shelly was kind of a mess. Uh, but now that we have the hard fork combinator and, and it's running properly, um, you know, the nodes just upgrade by themselves and we don't have to kind of deal with, uh, like in the, in the Shelly hard fork, you know, stuff, you know, not not quite uh, being as, as smooth as, as we would have liked. But so now the, we have the proper engineering, both from the Emergo side and the IOHK side. Um, you know, the Allegro hard fork, people might not even know there was an Allegro hard fork. Like that's how smooth yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. And I Mary... From an engineering perspective, I think most people didn't notice, uh, but I think only people noticed because of the multi-asset feature, which is something that a lot of people wanted to use. And so there's a lot of, you know, community appetite for this feature. Um, but there's very few posts on social media about anything um, going down or any problems because, um, you know, the code and the whole process for upgrading is so much cleaner now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shelly, and that's just so funny because Shelly was a mess. I mean, from the staple operator side, we had probably... I want to say six to eight test nets in the span of a month leading up to Shelly. Yeah. You know, and there was new yeah. features each time. And it was just like, as soon as we'd get our nodes up and synced, we'd start trying stuff out. And they'd be like, there's another one. And we're just like, ah, you know, and it was before they were but, really. You know, if, 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 if some of the listeners have been in this space for a while, you might remember, you know, back in like 2018, you know, I actually put out some whiteboard videos about the design they wanted for Shelly. And like, oh, we'll have this, we'll have this in place and allow us to test and generate from the specification and have stuff upgraded automatically. And, uh, you know, after the Shelly hard for that's when, when we finally have this in place. Um, and so now we finally have, you know, kind of a smooth experience upgrade mm-hmm. for Mary and so on. Um, and so if you've seen those videos, now you can be like, Oh, like they're right. It, it really did get better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, especially in 2018, looking at some of that, like, because I, I remember even hearing a little bit about an ERC-20 converter back then. And, and I was just like, like, it just seemed like a dream, you know, but it's all coming together now. It's pretty cool. But um, I wanted to talk about Emergo. You know, so we have the three pillars of Cardano. You know, we have IOG who works on the node software, as you mentioned earlier. And then we have Emergo, which is who you work for. And then we also have the Cardano Foundation. So what what's Emergo's part in, in this for people that are new? Yeah. So when we created Cardano, we wanted to have three entities, right, as you mentioned. And Emergo's role was to kind of be the one that built on top of the core protocol. And so we, we tried to do the best we can without smart contracts. Um, obviously, there's a limited amount of stuff that, that you can do without them. Um, and, you know, the stuff that we could do was stuff like Yodoi, uh, which is, you know, now one of the top used walls for Cardano. We want to have a smooth user experience to onboard everybody. And we want to prepare for smart contracts to have it a platform for people to kind of onboard onto. Um, we've done stuff like SDKs that, as I mentioned, we use and other companies use. And so we try and, and build this kind of ecosystem um, on top of the core protocol. But as, you know, smart contracts are coming closer uh, in Cardano through the Alonzo hard fork uh, that's coming up later this year, we're, we're getting more into, you know, core smart contract development and, you know, getting into DeFi and all these kinds of, of opportunities that exist in the blockchain space. And um, part of the way we're doing that is through a different blockchain called Ergo. And this is a blockchain where they have smart contracts that work similar to Cardano. And so we're able to um, 
kind of test out some ideas we have, some designs we have on this Ergo blockchain, get them released to people on there, see what their feedback is, and take that experience that um, we learn and release the same products on Cardano once the smart contracts are available. And so as I mentioned, we, we have a stable coin. We also have an Oracle system on Ergo as well. And right now we're working on a DAP connector for Yodoi. So what is a DAP connector? It means that um, if you go to a website that has some smart contract functionality, you'll be able to get a pop-up in your browser saying like, hey, do you want to connect to this website? And it'll automatically connect to your wallet. Then you'll be able to send transactions powered by the DAP and so on. Yeah, so and similar so to like MetaMask if you used yeah, DAPs exactly. on Ethereum before. Yeah, and so we're currently working on a DAP connector for Ergo. And we hope to finish the beta version um, next week. And so we'll have an internal release to developers to see, you know, how it's easy is, is this to integrate? Do they find the issues in the user experience and so on? And so as, as we, after we do the kind of initial developer uh, release, and we, if we get good feedback, then we'll release this to the public on the Ergo blockchain. Now, because Cardano works similarly, it means that once we get, you know, Cardano smart contracts and that kind of infrastructure ready, we'll have already this Ergo connector uh, that we can just, you know, tweak slightly to be a Cardano connector and we can release this to the community. And then we'll have a, you know, a cool, you know, DAP experience from day one with Plutus. So this is the kind of stuff that we're, um, you know, working on uh, at this current stage. And some of the stuff we're, we're already releasing, we already have users, we already have uh, people using SDKs and so on. And some of the stuff um, that we get for Cardano's is more in, in kind of preparation stages. Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't know this, but Emergo wasn't originally contracted to make your Roy, you know, and it's it's funny yeah. that it just kind of became one of my favorite, I mean, it's my favorite wallet at this point. And it's funny that you guys weren't even contracted to do that. It's just something that you did on the side. And then it's like, it's leading into everything else that you guys are going to create, you know, with the connecting the dApps together. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, so what are, so you're working on age USD, right? Do you want to go into that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. So as I mentioned, we're trying to ex kind of experiment with smart contracts on, on the Ergo blockchain. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we want to try kind of building out is a stable coin. And we didn't want to have a actual dollar back stable coin. Because uh, that implies a bunch of, of legal problems, and also yeah. uh, people are not as, you know, excited ab about you know dollar-backed stable coins. It's kind of technology-wise not so interested. It's more about you know bank audits and so on. And so we want to try and make a stable coin that is, is not backed uh, by physical dollars. And so we did a lot of research into you know Oracle systems. That's why we we built this Oracle pool design. And then we kind of took that and saw how could we build a, a stable coin protocol. And I don't want to get too much into the details because I, it's it's fairly complicated. Mm -hmm. And um, we have you know good technical documentation out there that people can read into if they really want to learn more. But I, I think the main thing that I want to emphasize with this stable coin and also this Oracle design is that it works fairly differently from Ethereum. So when people imagine this kind of Oracle system or, or stablecoin system, they often imagine an Ethereum type system. Um, and Ethereum uses something called account, the accounting system, whereas Cardano uses something called the UTXO system. Now, again, I think there's probably a lot of people watching this podcast who are not super technical 
Um, and so they may not know the difference uh, between these two systems. Um, but to kind of keep it short, the UTXO system is different enough that you have to kind of redesign a lot of these systems. You can't just, you know, copy paste over. You have to really think about how would you build an Oracle on the system? How would you build a stable coin on the system? And there's a lot of trade-offs, um, some, some downsides, some benefits you get from the UTXO system. And that's why Cardano wanted to have uh, multiple different sidechains that have different um, virtual machines on them. So obviously Plutus, which is Cardano's smart contract programming language, will run on the mainnet. But HK, you know, wants to have sidechains that run the Ethereum virtual machine, do something like the KVM. That way people who, who want to just for their contract, you know, copy-paste, um, they'll have a kind of an avenue for that on the sidechain. Uh, but for the Cardano mainnet that uses this UTXO-based system, um, this it, is kind of a different way to to think about it. And if you don't want to get into the technicalities, but you want to see what kind of impact does it actually have on users, you just have to look at the new multi-asset functionality that was added to Cardano. So on Cardano right now, you can have multiple assets, right? Anybody can create their own asset, you can send assets and so on. You might have noticed as you're um, creating these assets or you're sending these assets, there is no ERC-20 or this kind of thing that you have to uh, go through. It's all natively supported on the blockchain. And this is something that we can do because Cardano encodes the state of, of um, the blockchain into the actual values of the transaction, as opposed to Ethereum, which has kind of like a actual smart contract and has memory allocated the smart contract. And this is something that exists. And everybody, when they send tokens, they have to execute the smart contract and it costs gas to execute the smart contract. And sometimes you get an error and this whole mess because it's one uh, kind of cent- I don't want to say centralized, but one central place where the state of this token is held. And because Cardano doesn't really have that concept in the same way, uh, it means that the experience with the multi-assets is much smoother um, and much cheaper. And so um, similarly, because of, of this different nature, um, this this, uh, this um, Oracle system and this stablecoin system works fairly differently than, than some of the stuff you might have seen in Ethereum. And so if, if anybody's watching this, uh, wants to learn more, so obviously I'm, I'm skipping a lot of the technical details. Mm-hmm. Um, we, as I mentioned, we have a lot of technical documentation on this topic. Uh, they, 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 they're, they're more than welcome to go look into. Yeah. And you, and I think you guys should, especially if you're interested in it. Um, they have, yeah, they have, they have charts. Yeah. They have charts to kind of displays how it works from the user side, you know, what you send to and what you get out of it. It's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And one of our members of, of Emergle called Robert Pornacki um, has been on podcasts before and has videos on this topic. So if you want to go into kind of deep dives, um, you can find um, this kind of content on YouTube also, if you prefer watching a video instead of reading documentation. Awesome. So are you guys going to be working on any DeFi projects in the future? You know, because you're experimenting with Ergo yep. right now. So there's got to be some DeFi experimentation over there as well, right? Yeah. So as, as I mentioned, this was kind of our start. So we wanted to do the stable coin first because, as you know, so much of DeFi relies on a stable coin. Hmm. And so we thought that building an Oracle is kind of a prerequisite for the stable coin. So we did that first. And then the stable coin was our next step. And now we're starting to work on kind of our next project. And so we haven't announced anything publicly, but we're definitely 
working on this and we have a you know, team of people uh, working on, on this DeFi experience, not just for uh, Cardano, but just for UTXO-based blockchains in general. Awesome, awesome. So what about NFTs? Um, so what is an NFT for people that have never, who don't really have a good understanding, they've just heard the term over and over again? Yeah, so an NFT is trying to get a asset that's backed um, by, by something that, that uh, oftentimes is a piece of art or the rights to something. And they want each token to represent this kind of um, concept as opposed to a monetary asset. Right. So if you think about ADA, what is ADA representing? It's representing, you know, the ADA token on the blockchain. And you can have, you know, five ADA, six ADA, seven ADA. You know, every ADA is the same. With an NFT, um, you can have, you know, a token representing this painting, a different token representing a different painting. And, um, you know, each token is separate from the other. Uh, that's what it means to be non-fungible. And so people are really excited about this possibility because, uh, as you know, people really like uh, collecting stuff and feeling a sense of ownership of something. And, you know, people want to have, for example, the first token ever launched on Cardano. Uh, and that, 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 that's a thing that exists because we released this functionality last week um, or this week, rather, some, some, sometime. I, I lose track of the day sometimes. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, but so, so when we launched the multi-asset functionality on Cardano, somebody created the, the first asset. And, you know, some people on Twitter started posting like, oh, man, somebody created the first asset on Cardano. Like, can, can you send some of this to me? And people want this not just because it has some inherent uh, financial value for some blockchain. People want this because they want the experience of holding on to something. People say like, oh, I, I, I owned, uh, you know, one of the first tokens minted on Cardano. And, and, you know, people do this in real life also with yeah. trading cards, with paintings. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so you could easily build. This a, is a, a bit more technical, but my curiosity is getting the best of me. How do you actually, let's say it's a piece of art and it's a digital art. How at the protocol level do you connect this token with this artwork? Do you do it in the metadata or do you just essentially say this policy ID is what's con- what's connected to this artwork? How do you at the protocol level connect these two? Or is it more of a, a GUI with say a DAP website where I connect my Uroi wallet, it sees that I have this token with this policy ID and then that website knows that that policy ID is this artwork. How does that work? Yeah, so there's a few different ways to do it. So the most standard way is that there's no direct connection uh, and the connection comes from the artist in a sense. The artist says, um, whoever owns this token has ownership of this artwork and there may be license agreements with this. So for example, if you purchase the token for this artwork, um, you may um, get rights from the artist to use this artwork for commercial purposes and so on. And so that may be a way to prove ownership, uh, not just from a token ownership perspective, but also from a legal perspective. Um, there is definitely uh, projects that try to have a, a more direct connection. For example, uh, blockchain-based games do this. So you'll see some blockchain-based games where they have uh, trading cards within the game. And, you know, if you go to this DAP to play the game, it'll check your wallet state, look at which cards you have and populate the game based off these stats. In which case, you know, the asset really does represent the asset in the game. Uh, other people try different stuff. For example, CryptoKitties was popular a few years ago. And the way CryptoKitties did it is that based off the asset you have, 
the cat, the cat image you received was automatically generated. So they had, a fun, they had a mathematical function that takes the token ID you have and turns it into a picture. Okay. And so in a sense, you can't have somebody uh, just create the picture and then say, oh, I'm, I'm just telling you this asset represents this picture. That's so smart. Because it's, That's why crypto kids yeah, is asset, killing it. <laughs> the, the picture is generated from the ID. And so these are a few different ways that people have experimented. And I'm sure people have come up with, with more interesting ways. And people are trying to come up with, with ways to give liquidity to these assets. So, for example, people are trying to come up with auctions. You know, how do you auction off NFTs for people who want to purchase some of these or people who want to um, sell some of these? Uh, obviously, some games have, have built in uh, ways to get these. And so people have, have been experimenting in this space for quite a while now. NFTs are not a new thing, um, but they've, they've kind of jumped in popularity recently. Uh, because as you know, for any new technology, people come up with an idea and then it kind of blows up, but the technology isn't there yet. And so it kind of falls off in popularity, but then people remember the boom and they start building like, okay, well, we had this problem, we had this problem, we had this problem. They start building towards fixing it. And then you see a boom a few years down the line. And this always happens with, with crypto. Uh, you know, every bull cycle, the big projects you see come out, they always started the last cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so NFTs is the same thing. So it's, it's booming now because people have been working in the background for quite a long time, experimenting with different things, different technologies, and we're kind of seeing that come out now. Yeah, it's funny because the space has grown so much that we're going to have different booms at different times. You know, you have a DeFi boom and then, you know, NFTs come, you have an NFT boom and then you have a third generation crypto boom. You know what I mean? It's funny that these can kind of, even though we're in a bull market, so they're kind of happening around the same time, but you kind of just see the ups and downs from it's pretty cool. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the next hard fork and then kind of tie that back into this hard fork. because So the Mary hard fork added, as you said earlier, uh, multiple tokens on the Cardano blockchain, you know, and uh, essentially yes. what you can do is you can receive other tokens in your Uroi wallet or your Daedalus wallet. And then you have, you know, the native token ADA. I mean, they're all native tokens, but the way the wallet displays them is essentially as if they were separate. Um, so what more, what functionality is the next hard fork going to add to the tokens that we already have now? And then also I wanted to touch a little bit on the smart contracts for, for people that don't really see um, that that's the use and utility for Cardano. You know, that's kind of the final step. Yeah, so the thing right now is that you can create tokens and you can send tokens to people, but you cannot attach conditions to these tokens. Like, you can't say, like, oh, you can only send this token if this happened and this happened and this happened. You can't say, like, oh, if I receive this token, execute this script. So that's the thing that the next hard fork has. The next hard fork is called Alonzo. And that's the one that adds Pluto support, which is the smart contract programming language for, for Cardano. And the reason I mentioned this uh, multi-asset functionality as an example of the UTXO-based system and what kind of Cardano's uh, different smart contract, pro- smart contract program language provides is because um, the reason we had to have um, these kinds of built-in tokens into the protocol itself is because they tie very much directly into how smart contracts work on Cardano. And so um, what that means is that whenever you, you send um, tokens on Cardano, you'll be able to use um, these with smart contracts. And you'll be able to say like, okay, if a smart contract receives this token, then do X and do Y and start computing stuff. 
And that's kind of where all the exciting possibilities come in. And so until we have that, we're kind of limited in the use case we have for tokens. So I'll see people can create tokens for fun. They can create tokens that back some sort of centralized assets. So I can say like, okay, this token represents some USD. I have my bank account. But we can't do like an algorithmic stablecoin yet because we can't have uh, systems automatically update uh, based off um, the sending and receiving of tokens and, and so on. So there's there's some exciting stuff we can do. You know, NFTs is one that you can already do now. But building some sort of decentralized auction uh, system where people can upload their NFTs and start an auction and people bid on the blockchain, that's something we can't do yet because we don't have the ability to, you know, send ADA to increase some auction to automatically send a token to somebody, right? So whenever you think like um, somebody sending a token or ADA to trigger an action, um, that's not possible in a decentralized way until we get the smart contract support, uh, but everything else is, is possible now. So <clears throat> could could someone theoretically mint the tokens now and then add the functionality to said tokens later? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. And so that, that's, yeah, that's why we wanted to have these tokens released as a part of GoGwin. So people have been around might remember this term GoGwin. And GoGwin was kind of the era term for smart contracts in Cardano. And we ended up splitting GoGwin into three parts, Allegra, Mary, and Alonzo. So Alonzo is the next one that has full police support. And the reason that we call this splitting and we call Mary a part of GoGwin is because this token system is, is not some temporary solution until you get smart contracts. This is very much core to the way smart contracts will work in Cardano. And um, there will not be like some native tokens now and then new native tokens V2 in the future with different functionality. Uh, it'll be a continuation of this uh, system. And it'll be the same thing with really all of the errors you have. You know, Shelly... Uh, released with not as much functionality as we'd like. And, you know, it's an ongoing building thing and it's, it's the same way with Gogan. And I assume it'll probably be the same way with Basho, you know. Um, so what's what's next after Alonzo? You know, what, do you guys have the next hard fork planned after that, maybe a few months out, you know, now that we're, yeah. we're done with the Gogan era? Yeah, so I'll see the... Once you have a smart contract functionality, you're never done updating the, updating it. Yeah. So even if you look at Ethereum, who has had you know smart contract functionality for quite a long time now, they're still updating the EVM. They're still updating Solidity, adding more functionality, and so on. And you know it's, it's been years down the road. Part of that is due to obviously to bad planning on their part, but part of that is also because you know requirements change over time. People think they need something, and then people are like, oh wait, if you do this kind of thing, you could have this kind of DeFi smart contract. Oh, but this requires some extra functionality. Can we add this functionality to make developers' life easier? And so I'm sure, you know, uh, Plutus will keep evolving over time, especially because even the core cryptography evolves. For example, stuff like, you know, zero-knowledge proofs. The technology for it keeps improving over time. Mm. Every time somebody comes up with a new system to implement that efficiently within uh, the, the blockchain, you need to have these, you know, new uh, building blocks. You need to somehow connect that to the smart contract. And so there'll, there'll be updates uh, over time. But uh, beyond the smart contract, Recall, we still have two main things we want to do with Cardano. One of them is the treasury system. The other one's the uh, voting system on the protocol parameters. Okay, so I'll say there's a voting system for how do we spend the treasury funds, and there's a voting system for how do we change the protocol parameters. 
And these are two things that we're um, working on, we're looking into. And so obviously the voting system for the treasury is, is ongoing. This is something that IHK is doing in parallel, and that's why you have Catalyst and the ability to register and, and you have the ability for people to receive funding already through the treasury. Um, but this voting for protocol parameters hasn't happened yet. And so, for example, the transaction fee on Cardano right now is, is based on a math function. It's AX plus B, just a linear function based on the number of bytes using a transaction. Um, but the terms in that equation, um, the A and the B, um, is, is up to a protocol parameter. So anybody could um, propose a change and then people could go vote whether or not they agree on this change. And we need this uh, for the blockchain to basically be updatable, right? That's the end goal of, of Cardano to have an updatable system. Because once we have an updatable system, we won't have these kind of contentious hard forks that just destroy, uh, you know, the, you know big, the Bitcoin community and, and cause it to split into all these weird directions. Um, to avoid this, we want to have an updatable system. People can voice their opinions of what they think should be the best system. At the end of the day, there's, there's somebody who um, has their opinion go through and that becomes, you know, the official opinion of the blockchain. And so IHK is, is, is working hard on this. And that's kind of um, the main thing that we want to have to kind of wrap up the project because in a sense, once you have the updatable system and you have a treasury system, then you, you really achieve sustainability. Because if you want to do anything else in the future, it's no longer one company uh, saying, this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to do it. Uh, now, whenever a company wants to propose a change, it doesn't have to be IHK anymore. It can be any company, including IHK, yeah. can say, like, oh, I want to build this functionality. Here's my treasury proposal for it. Here's my update proposal for it. And it all becomes automatic. So not only will we have you know, this, this merry uh, process where the merry hard fork is so smooth from an engineering perspective, we'll also have this smooth process from a kind of social perspective where it'll be easy for people to come in and new companies to come in and people to come in and propose stuff, get the funding, get the voting system to propose the actual change to the blockchain itself and get that approved. That's kind and of that's, the, that's um, kind of the ultimate angle. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a, uh, I mean, in a simple way, that's kind of the mic drop moment for Cardano. You know, you just have this system that can be up, upgraded by a decentralized governance, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so there's, there's some of the stuff IHK is working on, like, you know, we want to have state channels and we want to upgrade um, Ouroboros. As you may know, there's other versions of Ouroboros that aren't implemented yet. So there's versions of Ouroboros that add privacy to delegations. There's versions of Ouroboros to recover from spikes and with some majority. And there's all this research that IHK <clears> has done. And it's yeah. to do that we haven't implemented yet. Um, I didn't know about the all one that, that actually added privacy to staking addresses. That's always been a big issue of mine is, you know, when it just completely removes the functionality of having different addresses <clears throat> because when you stake to somewhere, you can just view their staking address and see all the addresses that they have on the account, you know? So it's, yeah, yeah. in a way it's even less private than Bitcoin, you know, by having different yeah, addresses. And I, I uh, published a paper on this topic quite a while back, like a year and a half ago, something like that. But the, the thing about the privacy implementation of, of Ouroboros is that it's a fairly um, core change to the image of Cardano. So obviously, stable, uh, uh, public blockchains are viewed very differently if they have privacy features uh, by the people using them, by the regulatory bodies, and so on. And so um, obviously a lot of people want privacy because privacy is kind of a human right, and people have the right to uh, maintain their privacy. 
But at the same time, it, it should not be up to IHK to impose this change on the community. And so this is a, a kind of upgrade to the protocol that could only really be done morally through an update proposal that the community votes on because it's, it's a fairly big fundamental change to um, how the blockchain both operates and how it will be seen uh, by external bodies. Yeah. So <clears throat> another big, big change that I think needs to happen, I'm curious on your opinion about this because you, you have a deeper understanding of a lot of this. Um, uh, the ANOT parameter, you know, and its function with pledge to, to incentivize stake pools to pledge more to their stake pool. Right. What, what do you think about that? And, and what change do you think needs to happen um, for for us to really have the, the K increases matter and then people actually have an incentive to pledge to their pool, even at the lower levels and then at the upper levels like like exchanges, you know? Yeah. So the way that I'd like this kind of discussion to evolve is through the Cardano improvement proposal process. So we've had some members of the community come to the SIPs, Cardano improvement proposal SIPs and um, kind of write down their ideas in concrete thoughts. And IHK researchers have read through these and written responses and um, have discussion on, on this topic. Now, obviously, Cardano was originally a research project. And so it, it takes a bit of time for the researchers to get used to um, it now being a public-facing project. And so they respond to all these SIP proposals, but maybe not as fast as, as uh, every community member would, would want. Uh, and this is a, you know, a transition and everyone will get used to it. Um, but so I, I just want to get that out of the door before we get too much into this conversation. So I'm sure a lot of people watching this podcast will, will have very strong opinions on this topic. And that's like, I, I've been saying for months, we should do this thing. Um, yeah. And so it's either, it's either they have strong time. opinions or they're wondering what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and so I just want to preface this ahead of time by saying if you have a strong opinion, uh, you're, you're more than welcome to go uh, create a proposal and and see what kind of feedback you get from researchers because they, they've thought a lot about the topic. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, and then I will do a quick a quick little explanation for people that don't know what we're talking about. So the A not yeah. parameter is what incentivizes people to pledge to a stake pool. Right. So when you go and look, you, you choose your stake pool. Some people have 100 ADA pledge and some people have a million ADA pledged. And um, just because someone has a million ADA pledge doesn't mean they're better than someone else. But at the same time, you have to have this A not parameter to incentivize um, people to not make, say, 50 pools. Right. And then use. Um, whether it's their their own ADA or I mean I guess with if it's their own ADA they can do that but essentially use their marketing to conglomerate a 51% attack right and then the K parameter is kind of the ideal um, stake in each pool so essentially what you do is you take the total supply divide it by the K parameter and then you get the max amount of ADA that you're supposed to have in a stake pool right and so currently a not set at point 30 and what that essentially means is if you pledge the full 63.5 million you're going to get a 30% increase in rewards um, versus if you pledge zero right the issue is this this curve is linear right so if you're pledging which for for most people a million ADA is is over a million dollars now it, it, a large large amount of money when you pledge that you don't get a large rewards increase right so uh, what this makes people do is just make more pools and, and pledge a thousand eight or ten thousand eight or a hundred thousand because there's no real incentive um, for pledge because it's that linear curve. But and then now now we can get into yeah. it because I feel like that's a good yeah. intro. 
So, so if if I were to take um, the experience we've had of launching this on both the testnet and now on mainnet, and, and see, think about what I would have done differently personally, I would have probably increased the influence of the pledge a bit more. I think the influence right now is is too low. Um, I, I want to be careful to not say increase the A naught because obviously these parameters don't affect just one thing. The, the format is a bit more complicated than that, as people will know. Uh, so speaking in broader, slightly broader terms, I would made the pledge be a bit more impactful, and I would probably lower the minimum fee a bit also. Yeah. Um, the 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 two re- the, the two things I want to change in the rationale is once I want to increase the pledge because obviously um, we've noticed that the pledge is, is not impactful enough for people to really bother. It's barely worth the time for people to actually put the pledge up for their pool. Especially if, like, if you don't want to risk um, having the ADA like uh, attacked in some way, and you don't have a hardware wallet, uh, people will just go like, "Okay, I'll, I'll just pledge zero because it, it it's not impactful enough, and I'd rather keep my ADA safe in a hardware wallet." Yeah, and also, I mean, it, now that ADA is worth so much, um, yeah, I mean, it could even be used as as ransom. You know, what I mean, someone could just snatch you up. You know what I mean? If you have so much yeah. pledge to your pool. So, I mean, it's a risky thing. And, and in the current state, the, the reward does not outweigh the risk, you know. And but, yeah, it's, exactly. but it's very, very important for at the protocol level for us to have this incentive for people to pledge their pools, you know, to, to protect against civil attacks. And I agree with you completely about the minimum cost per epoch. You know, six months ago, you know, we, we, we talked about small pools a lot. And I, I just kept mentioning this. I'm like, so, I mean, if you look at a small pool with 500,000 ADA, I mean, at 500,000 ADA, that minimum cost per epoch is eating like 90% yeah. of the rewards, oh, yeah. just like a nuts amount, yeah. right? So then if you look at, at the time, a pool that had 180 million, that fee was like 0.3%, something small. And then for a pool at 500,000, it was 90%. For a pool at like 1 million, it was like 20%, just like... A large, large amount. So I agree with that too. And now that uh, the price of ADA is so high, you know, I think that's something that should probably be looked at immediately because, you know, for most people, the servers and, and the infrastructure they're running um, in in tune with the the men fee or not the men fee, the uh, margin is you know you don't need 340 every five days to to pay your bills, you know, because in USD yeah. it's a large amount of money. Yeah, and so the reason I want to mention the, the mint fee is because the pledge is important from a philosophical perspective. Um, that this is not blocking anybody from getting in to the ecosystem. It is causing people to be kind of over-engaged in a sense. Uh, but this minimum fee is actually blocking a lot of people. Like I see pools that have, you know, 5 million ADA pledge and they come to us and message us like the Uroi support and it's like, hey, my pool's ranking is really bad. Like, what do I do? And I have to explain to them, like, the minimum fee is just eating away at any rewards that people who delegate to you would earn. And unfortunately, that means your ROA is just lower than, than other pools. Obviously, if more people delegate it to your pool, the per- percentage would decrease. And then, you know, the ROA would go up. Um, but for a lot of people just getting started, getting those initial few delegations to get you over that point. It's really hard because there's so many pools now and there's so much competition um, that a lot of people just can't make it over that bar. 
And so I, I see it kind of a bigger problem because it's, you know, blocking people who, who may run successful pools from really getting involved. And I think with a rise in price in, in ADA, this minimum fee is is more than, than it needs to be. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. And that's, and that's another thing I worry about with Pledge. You know, I mean, when you actually add incentive with Pledge and with how expensive ADA is, I mean, I had... I, on my Twitter, someone was talking about them putting a large portion of, of their minimum wage job into ADA. And it took me back to when I was uh, 2017 and I was making 825 an hour and I was putting almost all of that into ADA at the time because I was just so happy about all this. And um, someone replied and said, because to me in the United States, 825, I mean, you can't live off that. You can't, you know, you can't, you can barely even feed yourself good food off of that. And someone replies and says, you know, that's a day's wage in the Philippines. And just really put things in perspective for me, because if that's a day's wage in the Philippines, then, you know, for, for people in the United States, I mean, even for people in the United States, 10K to pledge at this point is a large sum of money to have in a decentralized protocol for the average wage, you know. So if we look at this from the Philippines perspective, well, maybe maybe a thousand ADA is, is a large amount for them, you know, a huge portion of skin in the game. So, I mean, this is... It's really tricky stuff because at the core of Cardano, we've always just wanted to have everyone be able to participate, you know? So it's like, yeah. and that's why this is such a tricky topic, especially as the value of aid has increased, you know, and um, it's just, it's a hard, hard thing, you know, because I, I suspect that when the ANOP incentive does change, you know, I've, I've kind of always looked at the S curve, you know, where you kind of incentivize people right here, you go down and then you incentivize the exchange at the top. So the rewards don't just go to all of the exchanges as it would if you increased it now, because essentially the way it works now is if you increase a not to say 0.5, it lowers the rewards for everyone like us, you know, the normal stake pool operators and gives more and more to the people that pledge the max amount. So exchanges, you know, companies that have a large portion of ADA. So in the current function, uh, it's just not going to work, right? You have to completely change the function, but at the same time, even with the S curve, you know, the way that I've looked at it, the S curve often is going to stop, I would say, probably in the 700,000 to the 5 million range is where that's going to peak, depending on how you, you spike the curve. And for most people, I mean, not for most people, for 99%, having a, a million, 700,000 pledge to 5 million pledges is impossible, right? So then essentially you're, 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 you're making staple operation, not uh, really a marketing tactic anymore. It's a bit of marketing um, and also having the funds. You know, so really the, the stake pool operation game as a whole will change, you know, when this ANOT perspective or ANOT parameter does change, you know, so I'm very interested uh, to see where this goes. Yeah. And one thing that, that I think is important to mention is that one of the innovations of Ouroboros as a protocol, and people don't know Ouroboros is the proof of stake algorithm that IHK both researched and developed. So one of the innovations of Ouroboros is that um, anybody has a chance to make a block. So you can register a stake pool with 100 ADA and you'll have a chance to make a block. The, ch the chance would be really, really low. So obviously 100 ADA is not much yeah. um, in the grand scheme of things, uh, but you have a chance, right? And this is different from other proof of stake protocols where there's a fixed number of people and those are the people that make blocks and everybody else has a 0% chance. Um, in Cardano, everybody has a chance if they want to take it. Um, now, that being said, although everybody has a chance, um, the, the chance, the, the, the number of people that can have a, a non-trivial chance is fairly limited. 
And so that's what the K parameter is, is meant to decide. It's meant to say, okay, well, at an optimal stage, how many people um, do we want to have that have a reasonable chance to create blocks? And there's a limit to how high that can go, right? Because we can't have, you know, million state pools all creating blocks at regular intervals because um, of just the limit of the speed of light and distributed systems and, and so on. And so that's why K is currently set to, you probably, you know, the number of bread me, I think it's 500, 500. still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so 500, obviously it's a lot when it comes to blockchains. When it comes to the number of people on the planet, this is obviously a, a you know, very small number. Um, so I, I understand that people would want to, in a sense, increase it to get more people and have uh, people who obviously live in countries that don't have as high of an income be able to uh, create successful stake pools. Um, but unfortunately, it, that's easier said than done. And so the, the goal of, of Cardano can't be to have everybody, regardless of income, be able to create blocks um, uh, because it, it, that's just not possible in discrete systems. Uh, the best thing we can do is say that anybody can participate in the system and if you want to take a chance, you have it, a, a non-trivial chance. I'm sorry. You have a chance to make a block, um, but just not at the same profitability as as people who have um, more stake in the system. Yeah. See, and I, I, I agree with you completely. The issue was just the marketing of the stake pools on Cardano. It was, hey, you guys can set this up on a rock pie. You guys will eventually be able to set this up on much lower systems and everyone can run a stake pool. Um, so I think that's kind of where that that ideology comes from you know everyone should be able to run a pool everyone should be able to mint blocks but uh, you everyone can like probability wise especially in the current with the current parameters you know if i start up a pool i put a hundred thousand ada in there and over time i'm going to make the same amount other than the server costs that i have to pay uh than as everyone else right the issue is when we do change this a not parameter the only pools that people are going to want to delegate to are going to be the pools in the sweet spot. I mean, because if you're looking at these pools in the sweet spot that are paying six to 7% versus the pool you set up at your house with a hundred eight, a pledge, it's going to give you say like 3%, you know, I mean, that's what it really just takes the, anyone can set up a pool completely out of it. You know, it completely changes is everything. You know what I mean? So it's, um, so I think the issue was in the in the way that it was advertised, but I understand where you're coming from, and I see that that truly what matters is you know a decentralized system that has the power to you know be the world's next financial system, and, and not um, everyone being able to run a pool, right? Because there are going to be a lot more jobs for people from Cardano, right, or from blockchains in general, right? So it doesn't. Especially with, I always think about this with Project Catalyst, you know, like every time I participate in the Project Catalyst community, the town halls, and we talk about all this stuff. I mean, I, like 19 different job titles pop up in my head, you know, when it comes to the decentralized governance stuff. So it's pretty cool. Um, but the last question I wanted to ask you is, um, where do you see Cardano in five years? Five years is a long time. It is a long time, and Cardano and blockchain moves fast. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, part of that is trying to come up with you know Cardano twenty twenty five. So, as you know, when Cardano was originally envisioned, we had a twenty twenty plan, which is what we do up to twenty twenty, 
And at that time, that was a five-year plan. And, you know, now we're at the end of that. We have to come up with another five-year plan in a sense. Um, the difficulty in, in this is that obviously Cardano is no longer a, just Irish K, Emergo, and CF. There's not many companies involved. And so we can't unilaterally set a plan. Um, and so the best we can do is try and figure out, you know, what kind of expertise can our companies bring to the table and um, what can we do within that scope and how do we get more companies involved in the, the construction of, of a plan and the actual implementation of a plan. Because obviously people want a plan, right? Um, nobody wants a blockchain with um, no clear goal. Even, you know, Bitcoin, which is meant to be the blockchain that doesn't change in a sense, they have, you know, multi-year plans of, you know, this new types of cryptography they're looking into and different Bitcoin framework proposals that, you know, have often multi-year spans. And people want to just um, the blockchain to um, uh, somehow evolve and, and, and improve. And so, you know, so we would like to propose certain sets of plans for Cardano within the scope of what we can do at Emergo and, and Cardano Foundation and IWSK. Um, but I, I don't want to talk about it too much because there will be kind of more official announcements mm-hmm. um, coming after this. And so it's, it's hard for me to know what I can say and what I can't say. Um, but I think probably Charles has talked more about this. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a lot easier to get information out of him, trust me. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, he, you know, he's obviously higher up um, yeah, than yeah, I am for in sure. a sense. And so he he has the ability to, to reveal something and then that by default means that it's okay to talk about it. So instead of looking at it from like a an engineering perspective and like a, where do you see it generally, right? Not Not in terms of price, but just in terms of like social impact and you know, where it's at in the world, you know, like. Yeah, so the the main thing that, that I've always cared about is the finance aspect. So obviously people have, you know, huge passions for stuff like NFTs that we talked about earlier in this podcast. Um, but I've, I've always been more interested in kind of the financial side. And mostly what I want is to have an alternative to the banking system. The banking system is just, you know, when I, when I so I was born in Canada, and we have like okay banks. They're not great. They're not bad. They're they're okay. And then you know I went to the U.S. and they had a, a better banking system than Canada, uh, but it still had you know all these weird complications and so on. And then I come to Japan where I live now, and it's just the taxes, the fees, the service. It's all just you you would be shocked. You'd be shocked. And, you know, I can navigate through these systems uh, because, you know, I work as an engineer. And so I, you know, make enough money to, you know, pay off credit cards and uh, to have the banks actually interested in having me as a customer and so on. But as you said, there's a lot of people, not even just in, in, in third world countries, but even in the United States who work, you know, minimum wage jobs and who have trouble, you know, dealing with all these banking fees and they have trouble getting loans, you have trouble, you know, getting all this stuff from the banks. Yeah, to a point where they're they're ousted from the system. You know, I've actually met people that, you know, have 
if because they work a low, a low wage job, you know, maybe because they had a kid too young, you know, uh, hurt themselves in an accident at work and then their work not pay for it and then them have fifty to a hundred thousand dollars in debt and because they can never pay that off, you know, they essentially have to remove themselves from the system for seven years until that falls off the record. You know, so then yeah. you can't and, use and the so bank I, accounts. Yeah, and so I have a certain privilege to um, have the the money and the time to go through all the bullshit that you know the banks and the financial system throws at me, but not everybody has that privilege. Yeah. And also, we're never going to get rid of the banks because banks do offer a service, um, you know, beyond just storing your money and, you know, offering services like loans and, and protecting somebody's assets and this kind of stuff will never go away. And so and my goal is not to kill the banks, um, but I, I would like an alternative financial system where this is not your only option. You have the choice of the banks. Uh, you have the choice of other uh, stuff. And that's really what I would like, you know, Cardano to be. And to get to that uh, position, it, it doesn't mean just investing in DeFi, but obviously the whole social aspect to it, um, you know, because we need the DAOs uh, to do the lending and, and all these kinds of systems to also exist on, on Cardano. And, you know, if, if in five-year time we have, you know, a total alternative system um, where, you know, countries or individuals can choose uh, which system they want to opt into, I think we, we've done a really good job. I, I agree completely, man. And I mean, at, at the core, if this happens, if we have this, or when it happens, I should say, uh, when we have this alternative financial system, the banks are going to have to be more competitive, you know, and yeah. and, and yeah. that gets, a, get, gets rid of a lot of the bureaucracy and the annoyances when people actually do have an alternative option and all they have to do is really um, be more competent, you know, learn how to secure their finances and but at the same time, um, because this has been ingrained in our society, there's a lot of people that are not going to want to hold their own funds. You know, they're going to want to go to banks. But now, even though it's not FDIC insured, but now we, we are seeing kind of the start of these centralized banking services, you know, like Celsius, Naxo, BlockFi. And um, although, like, they worry me in terms of security, I think that, you know, that's really going to change the banking system as a whole and then that's the start of it centralized you know ways to hold your money versus other with versus banks and then we're going to also have the the decentralized part of it too on top of cardano which is awesome but um yeah we'll go ahead and end it there i really appreciate you coming on today sebastian i had a lot of fun yeah yeah thanks for having me on it's always great to have these kinds of discussions and to uh, talk to the community about all the stuff we're working on in Mergo. so i hope uh, people heard some interesting stuff and now that you've listened to the podcast you're now ready to furiously google all this information and learn more and get more awesome awesome but yeah thank you guys so much for watching it if you made it till the end type in the cardano aura number 14 also if you guys have any questions about anything we went over today just feel free to comment down below i also have a discord server i'm trying to build up uh, an army of of educated cardano people to answer your questions and i'm there all the time answering questions as well so please please feel free uh, come to the Discord server and get educated. But I hope you guys all have a good rest of your weekend. But thank you guys so much for coming.